right, everybody, welcome back to the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome to week eight. Uh, we're trucking right along. I can't believe it's already week eight, already halfway through the season. Lots of stuff going on. Of course, I'm graced by one of my co-hosts, Mr. Chris K. At Realist Chris K. You come onto the thing, looking with a flannel. The hair is nice. You're just full fall right now. Really enjoying it. Welcome back to the show. You feeling better this week, sir? I am for for a week, and then I, I'm going to be out next week. I'm getting... Uh... Getting some uh, a nose surgery, a nose job, and then I'm yeah. coming back looking better than that. You know, I heard the I heard the the comments and thoughts from the fans. They said my nose wasn't looking too hot, so I need to fix it for the fans. So here I am. I'm a I'm an avid just pleaser of the fans. So here I am. Yep. Uh, needless to say, but it's mainly the sinuses. We just want Chris to breathe, take deep <laughs> breaths, relax, join some podcasts and stuff like that. But we also have a very special guest. Uh, first, we want to mention Ethan. He had some work this week, but he'll be back next week. So, Ethan, you know, get caught up, buddy. We'll see you next week. Excited for the uh, for the article for sure. But we have our very special guest. Of course, I consider him a guru of spreadsheets. He is the owner and proprietor at CFB Winning Edge. He's my great friend, Nicholas Ian Allen. We just call him Nick. Nick, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, how's the? Uh, we've talked a little bit off the camera, but how's the? How's the season going? Projections. It sounds like a lot of the new changes are starting to pay off a little bit now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so there's there's two ways of going about it. Uh, my co-host and and the CFP Winning Edge podcast, Scott Bogman. He he, I think took the the better approach of building up a big lead early in the season. You know, going. Uh, 60% or close against the spread, I decided, you know what, we're just going to dig a giant hole uh, and, and see if we can climb out of it. So, you know, three of the first four weeks were pretty horrible. Last three weeks have been really quite good. So, so close to the surface here. Uh, but I, I don't know if, you know, how many people out there are familiar with me or what I do or, or listen to the show. Uh, I've got three different projection models that, uh, one is kind of the one I've been doing the whole time. That's the official one I really uh, pay the most attention to. But then I've got two others, one that kind of isolates talent numbers, one that isolates uh, stats only, kind of give a different view of the three. Uh, and I've, I've started to, to like more and more what I've seen out of specifically that stats only model, which last week was almost 70%. Uh, so we're, you know, building some momentum we'll see if we can carry it through uh but the last three weeks have de- definitely been better than the first four we'll say that. yeah 70 percent is very effective that, that uh, won't happen a little bit. i know often I know. if ever again but not it, every know. single week but overall i i, I have right. liked what i've seen out of that particular <laughs> model I, i'm liking it more and more as we get yeah. into the season and uh, we'll touch a little bit more on what uh, Nick does on a, on a on a daily basis and kind of go from there. Let's do some little, uh, you know, a quick, uh, I call it homework, but we'll add it here as well. Of course, everything we have there is over at campusofcanton.com. Go check it out. Of course, our articles, tools, guides, different memberships, and so, so much more. Anything that you want to find from us, if you're having a hard time finding it, this is the website to go check it out. So please go check out campusofcanton.com. Plenty of articles. Of course, you have the NIL membership. Of course, you can see Chris's articles and Ethan's on there. Anything to do with DFS. Of course, our prize picks. You got Moxley uh, doing his stuff in the morning times and things like that. You also have Alfred doing early lines and stuff like that. And just some of the, uh, he calls it his sicko games. The ones, the small G5 games he likes to jump on there, regardless if it's and during the half or early to begin with. But he's really into that. So go check that out. 
And then, of course, we have the in-season edge, which is going on in-season only. It's $29.99. Like I said, all gaming contents including. That's including DFS and prize picks as well. Uh, you get the first look at anything as far as like we're talking about in the actual Discord. So the Discord, we have our particular chats just for those. Uh, so definitely check that out. And everything from the scholarship level. So everything that you're getting as far as articles, uh, tools that we're using, and things like that, everything is still there as well. Of course, you're also getting a first look just like everyone else in the NIL membership as far as new tools and stuff like that. So whether that's the year one zero projections that Austin does or anything that Jarrett comes up, that's all available for you. So definitely go check that out. Of course, if you use the promo code C2C there over at Price Picks, which we'll mention here in just a second, that's going to give you $20 off of this one. So really all I have to do is just pay $10 more and you can get this for the rest of the season. So a few more weeks to go. So if you're just trying to win you some cash and help you out, this is the way to go. And of course, like we just mentioned, use that promo code C2C if anything prize picks, give you a match deposit up to $100. Um, there were some free spaces. I hope you guys used the Steph Curry one. I think he, I'm think he's going to score more than half of a point because he's Steph Curry. So, you know, you want to do that. But I hope you use that Don Kincaid because he went from 9.5 projected to 42 fantasy points. So, needless to say, if you did that too, you did good. Of course, uh, Chris was talking uh, a little smack offline that if you used that Chris Rodriguez uh, prop, you would have uh, hit your money too. So, if you did a flex three, uh, hopefully you made you some money there as well. But since we have the guest of honor, I wanted him to kind of talk about a little bit. Of course, I mentioned this in previous uh, ones. I use his sometimes to look at my matchups, whether it's um, defense versus offense or O-line versus D-line, or maybe this wide receiver's got to run up against a corner that's maybe a freshman a little bit. To, but that's where Nick comes into play with his stuff here. Of course, it's patreon.com at CFB Winning Edge. You can get a leg up on the competition, plus everything is updated on the regular basis. So, Nick, why don't you just go a little bit more in detail, you know, what does and what you do to change. I know you're constantly looking at injuries and things so just tell the audience kind of what happens on a weekly basis as you uh update these things yeah I, I i really appreciate it um the most of my stuff is personnel based uh i have a, a set of, of google sheets and several sets of google sheets too many uh but the one i use the most is is uh, my fbs team profiles if you uh, are interested in joining us on Patreon. It's it's a tier two uh, membership and and uh, offer opportunity for our supporters to uh, access these. We've got uh, you know rosters for all 130 teams, a lot of stats, a lot of uh, you know recruiting information, production experience stuff. Um, basically, I wanted to to have everything at my fingertips, and um, I use individual player ratings based on. Uh, talent and experience and production, uh, use those to build position and unit ratings, uh, and then build those into uh, team ratings to project point spreads and, and things like that. Um, do have projected point spreads for every game uh, throughout the course of the year. Those are updated constantly, so you can look you know, a month in the future and, and see what we've got currently uh, projected there. But as you mentioned, yeah, injuries, as we all know, in college football and, and, you know, certainly for uh, DFS and, and CFF, it's really, really difficult a lot of times to keep on, you know, keep up to date uh, everything injury wise. And, and I'm certainly not perfect, uh, but a big part of my day-to-day duties basically are, are scrolling through, you know, Twitter and discord as much as I can uh, to see what sort of injury updates I can find uh, make adjustments in the sheets. You know, if a guy's going to be, uh, you know, doubtful to play, that may change how the, the projection goes because I can kind of, 
you know, say, oh, well, maybe we'll give him, you know, instead of full-time starter uh, projected, you know, uh, value, we can limit that a little bit. Um, but anyway, yeah, injury stuff, personnel stuff, um, do have matchups, like you said, for the, the units, O-line, D-line, and, and, you know, receivers versus DBs, all that good stuff. Um, so too much to – I'm not very good at the elevator pitch. I've never quite got it down. So very, yeah. you know, long and rambling answer. But uh, if you have any questions, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, on Twitter, always happy to answer questions and, and uh, you know, show examples of, of some of the things that, that we offer. Nick, you do a lot of like returning offensive line type stuff, right? Like, I think that's something he's shaking his head up and down, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's something like in the off season is huge, right? Like yes. there's a ton of benefit as much as um, talent matters in college football. There's so much that can go in a system. And then I think also returning production and that especially includes offensive line, defensive line type of thing. So I've always I've always found your stuff fascinating when you tweet it out and and, <laughs> and post the graphs and the charts and the you know where this where this rank this position group ranks and that type of thing. I think it's awesome and a huge offense uh, off season help for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. A, a big chunk of the work is off season stuff. I mean, I try to get basically every player uh, that's on the roster, at least every scholarship player and, and uh, the transfer portal, of course, you know, makes things uh, I, I make adjustments based on that. And that factors into returning production. And um, a lot of it is off season based and, and uh, you know, try to try to keep up as best I can in season. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Returning production is a big piece of it. Uh, and hopefully, you know, find, little bits of pieces of, of information here and there uh, that can help apply to, you know, things like preseason win totals and, and uh, you know, yardage over unders full season, all that good stuff. Um, but also try to, you know, keep it updated best we can in season uh, when things are, are really flying, but a lot of that legwork. Yeah, definitely goes in uh, the long, long months of the off season. Can I ask what's the um have you what kind of difference are we seeing in like these projected totals or I should say I are are you doing projected spreads of games like what do you have the Tennessee Georgia game at right now cuz I'm very curious that found, that seems like a fun one to <laughs> know right it's very fair yeah yeah good. so you, uh you do that and then I'm my follow up would be what's out of pure curiosity cuz it's impossible to like you could say I'm right 20% of the time and be like damn that's pretty good so don't <laughs> feel bad but I'm very curious like how close are you hitting are you like fascinated by how close or uh, and sometimes I guess how wrong you could be because it's just so crazy in the CFB world yeah so first the the Georgia Tennessee uh November 5th uh that game is in Athens I've currently in in our official uh, traditional model have Georgia as a 9.74 point favorite, uh, 71% win expectancy. Our talent edge, which is strip out everything, um, you know, all the stats and, and all that sort of stuff. And just based on uh, the, the talent, the experience and production to date for, you know, the full roster has Georgia favored by uh, just a little over six points, 6.05. Our stats only model, the one I mentioned that that I uh, have liked more and more over the course of the year, 
Um, I call it PRISM, so projected scoring margin. It's it's set up in a similar way if people are, are familiar with SP plus and things like that. Um, that's that's more the the kind of the model that it it uh, works on. That actually has Georgia as a uh, over a two touchdown favorite, so fourteen point eight six. So wow, uh, my my numbers I thought were pretty high on Tennessee coming into the year. They were in the top ten in my preseason power rankings. Um, they have stayed there, obviously, but they haven't really risen very much. They're like seventh now. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State have basically been co-number ones, just kind of jockeying back and forth uh, in my projections as well as you know the polls. Um, and the gap is closed, certainly a bit, or, or narrowed, I should say. Not closed, obviously, two touchdown or, or double-digit favorite. But um, I guess, yeah, my projections are, are still a little skeptical that, that Tennessee is – uh, quite on that same level with Georgia. So, mm-hmm. so I do have uh, Georgia's a, a pretty clear favorite in, in all three models. As so, far as the, sorry, good job. Uh, to answer the, the other question, how are the numbers doing? Um, last three weeks, quite good. Uh, <laughs> prior to that, not as much. Um, we've been, uh, let's see, three weeks in a row of 53% and a half or better in the traditional model, uh, including a 60% week in there. Uh, but I had mentioned that huge, huge hole we dug. We're in the 45s basically through the first three weeks of the season. Um, so had had a lot of work to do, hovering right around 50% now. But traditionally, because I do injury updates and things like that and do the, the player-specific uh, projections, some of the other models out there you know, can't quite capture a quarterback injury like a you know, Devin Leary um, or, or things like that. Talia Tungabailoa might be out this week. You know, th- those are, are big, big things that a lot of the projection models just aren't, you know, built to, to right. adjust to. Right. Um, we do a little bit better, you know, chance of that. And, and over the last four or five years, however long I've been doing this, uh, through the course of the year, it's get it traditionally gets better and better. I usually just don't have quite as big a hole to climb out of uh, early on. Yeah. So, Brandon, just – Hanging on the side, I, me and Nick are going to grab some coffee and have a good You're conversation. Good. Here. <laughs> You're good, man. I got, I got to know Tennessee, Georgia. Your uh-huh. models say somewhere around six and a half to nine and a half, depending on which one you, you want to go off of. What does Nick's heart say? <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know if Nick uh, do I don't. My heart? <laughs> I don't. I don't. He operate doesn't have that. a heart. No. Numbers. So numbers. I, I, uh, I, I will say I don't know. I haven't been super vocal about this publicly i don't know if i can get my Uh-oh. project Uh-oh. my thing all the way over there there's a, a there's McCoy a jersey in the corner as well <laughs> is that there's a, a diploma it's hanging on the wall over there from the university of georgia so there we go heart wise no. yeah no. you know it's it's our goal is to make I, jared I do, sweat it's not working i do have <laughs> to root for the alma mater a little bit uh but i'm not a you know i'm, I'm not a big uh fan just in general, I, I do kind of, you know, if if the numbers say Georgia's going to lose by uh, two touchdowns, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So I, I just go whatever the projections say. That's that's where my rooting interest is uh, gotcha. for that week. But if Dartmouth's on the table, yes, Nick will cheer with his hey, with his heart for that's some. My, that's my closest uh, Division yeah. One team. Went to my first uh, college football game in yeah four or five years the other week. And did uh, you enjoy yeah. it? 
I did. Good times. I did. It was good. Tailgating well, was pretty good. I always chilling. wonder about the tailgating there in Dartmouth. <laughs> uh, that particular Friday night, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of tailgating. It was not busting. Uh, then. But if you go for homecoming, I've been I've been to a couple of Dartmouth games. Yeah. The homecoming, uh, they do the big bonfire in the on the campus green. It's you know it's it's fun. Uh, college football is is definitely more than just the the top tier that we spend most of our time talking about. Yeah. There's there's fun to be had all over. It's a pure tailgate, you know, it's just like a good old yeah. fashioned, good fun. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be some crazy 80,000 people and yeah. Yeah, it doesn't that. have to doesn't be, have to be uh, that to be a mega thing or anything <laughs> like that. No, not whatever. I do want to point out for our Georgia fans, just to make you sweat just one moment, they always are giving up one big play per, per game, and it's usually to the biggest guy. So if this is, it might be Tillman if he's back, it could be Jalen Hyatt ascending again as well. I'm just pointing out that Georgia gives away one good play this year. It's not, you know, this is still a kind of mm-hmm. rebuilding Georgia, even though Georgia doesn't rebuild, they just replace, right? So, uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, if maybe some of those uh, numbers on the sheet and show where Tennessee might, even if it's the nine point underdogs, that they still might have that chance there. I know they got, uh, we like to, you know, use uh, Nick stuff, he has VGR, which is for Madden fans, it's pretty much like video game rating. So it gives you the particular ones. It's based on experience. It's based on their transfer and then of course their you know their rating coming out of high school and stuff like that so i'm always interested to see those mismatches and see if there's one in between there's got to be at least one receiver whether it's Hyatt or, or tell them maybe it's brew to where uh they have a good mismatch against at least one of the defenders there in georgia that could uh break a play so i'm interested in that so definitely go check out uh nick's stuff there over at cfb winning edge uh support the patreon multiple tiers nick if you want to give them real quick and then we'll move on but yeah, patreon.com slash CFP winning edge. Uh, there are three tiers there. Really only two of them are open. Uh, tier one is just sort of a, Hey, we want to support the work you do. We do uh, hire, you know, freelance for, for some off season uh, projects that helps to, to fund that. Um, and then tier two is, is uh, more the uh, share all those in-depth spreadsheets in addition to the team profiles, which are the updated, you know, depth charts and injury reports, all that good stuff. Uh, we do have the returning production uh, database that, that Chris was sort of alluding to, and, and then do have uh, preseason statistical projections as well, which include uh, CFF and, you know, DFS scoring. Uh, unfortunately, at this point, I'm not quite built to uh, be able to update those week to week. So those are just sort of, you know, it, done in the preseason and then, uh, you know, just sort of put them out there and, and, and they basically stay static. Um, maybe in future years, hopefully you'll be able to, to do a little bit more of those uh, updating, but um, there's a ton of information in there, all sorts of coach related info, you know, pace, uh, projected pace, matchups, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So um, if, if folks are interested in, in joining at tier two, uh, definitely have a lot to, to offer that you can take a look and, and uh, hopefully find some value in. And, and we're always looking to improve, uh, not just our you know, performance, uh, whether it's against the spread, you know, grading our, our projections, but uh, also just offer more and, and do a better job, do it quicker, uh, get it out there earlier in, in the preseason, get everything updated as quickly as we can. So uh, that support really does help. That money doesn't just go, into my pocket, it, it does a lot of the time go toward um, bringing in some folks to, to help us do a better job and, and get some projects done quickly. 
Yes, and we're going to put those said spreadsheets to the test. And first, we're going to start with Campus Picks. Of course, that is presented by Prize Picks. Uh, like I said, we have just me and Kay this week, but it's good because we got some stuff to talk about. So we have both an Olton, uh, Holton Ayler sighting, which we need to be careful because he lives close by. So if we talk about him too much, he'll slide in DMs because he likes to look at his mentions all the time. So I'm just going to go ahead and point that out right now. But um, I like the thought process here. And, you know, Nick will use what he has as far as ECU versus UCF coming up to kind of gauge this as well. So, Chris, you decided that you wanted to go with the passing yards of 275 and you have more for him, whereas I decided to go projection for fantasy score that is 22.5, and he's only done that a few times, but against UCF, there is a bit of a mismatch. UCF is a little bit tougher against the quarterback, and I'll let Nick speak on that a little bit as well. Uh, so I have him a bit under 22.5. Chris, is it more like, hey, you're just trying to – you're not really look, looking at this fantasy points. You're really just hoping that Ehlers balls out, gives it to C.J. Johnson, looking for Isaiah Winstead. Is that the thought process here going into this weekend? I, yeah, I think he's just slinging it a little bit here, right? And I don't want to worry about touchdowns. Keaton Mitchell's back. Yep. He's looking ripe. And, uh, you know, I don't want to worry about it, right? In like the last two games or last three games, he's done it. He's cleared it for sure. And he's got the craziest of stat lines. Yes. He had one touchdown, one, touch, uh, one touchdown, six touchdowns. I don't want to worry about that. Give me the yardage. Let's move on. You know, UCF, I think this has the potential for a really fun game, a great game stack. Hopefully it's in the night slate. You know, he's got very capable receivers. CJ Johnson could go for 200 in a heartbeat. Winstead's been very, Stead's been very uh, great. I like the yards. I, I, I can see why you would want to go under because it's a, it's a touchdown dependent type situation. I don't have any issue with the under there on the 22 and a half fantasy points, but you know, it comes to yardage, it's a little bit easier. You know, you don't have to be good to throw, you know, especially because, like, UCF, right, they're going to score, they're going to move, they're going to be productive, right? We saw that last course, week yeah. with Plumlee scoring 34 touchdowns. Um, so, in that situation, I could see ECU having to just garbage time fancy or, you know, garbage time fancy points, right? Yardage, especially. Um, so, yeah, I leaned more on that passing yardage for sure. Yeah, for me, it's a... Uh... You know, I'm looking at projected fantasy scores, and it always comes down to where when, and especially in the AAC, uh, and I've seen ECU up close a few times, when they go up against their tougher opponents in the AAC, that's where Ayla starts to decline a little bit. Um, there was that one season where he was like, what, a top 10 CFF quarterback, and it just didn't matter who he played. He played his lights out, but since then, he's kind of gradually kind of done the uh, the roller coaster ride that we're talking about. So we'll move it over to Nick. Nick, I know you probably got the differences between UCF and, uh, and ECU. I know DraftKings in particular shows, or no, it was Fantrax that's showing that UCF, I believe, and they're showing their their 33rd against the quarterback, but you might have a little bit more detail. So what's your thoughts about the the matchup between UCF's defense versus Ehlers and his and his passing there? Well, the the first thing that, that jumps out to me, and it's, it's uh, not, I guess, super relevant to just this particular uh, um, uh question on Ehlers, but I did a, an update for my power rankings as I do every week and, and UCF has just jumped uh, overall team strength. They have played like a top 10 team uh, in, in recent weeks and, and have gotten to the point where they're basically, you know, a top 15 team in college football, highest ranked uh, G5 team in, in my power rankings, which was a surprise to me. I didn't quite realize that they had been playing quite that well. 
Um, in this matchup specifically, one of the things that yeah, I said UCF's playing like a top 10 team. Uh, one number that I lean on pretty heavily, I call team performance. Uh, it includes I don't know, dozens of, of advanced stats kind of go into um, everything. And, and what I want to do in, in a lot of my numbers, you mentioned, you know, VGR, video game rating. Uh, I, I want to keep everything kind of on that scale because I think a lot of us are familiar with you know, Madden, the old NCAA uh, football game. And, and um, it's it sometimes is easy to get lost in things like, you know, net points per drive or, or uh, yards per pass attempt against and, and things like that. So I wanted to put, you know, one basic rating to kind of hopefully encapsulate how well a team is playing overall. That's overall team performance, uh, offensive team performance, defensive team performance, do break it out against, uh, you know, the, passing and and rushing uh and ucf you know top 10 team overall defensively they played like a top 25 team they're 23rd in defensive team performance uh against the pass they're top 40 uh against the run right around 40 so you know there are no major major weaknesses and they're certainly a very talented team a good team uh east carolina is uh you know similarly i think pretty balanced. They're, they're a top 50 team overall in team performance. They're 50th in offensive team performance, 43rd passing, 34th against, or excuse me, 34th on the ground. And that I think is, is kind of the interesting piece to this, right? Um, Ehlers does have some ability to run. Uh, my preseason projections expected him to have five touchdowns uh, by the end of the year uh, based on your scoring you know, six points per touchdown or, or four points per touchdown had him uh, projected between 26 and a half and 23 and a half uh, points per game. Fantasy wise, some of that is is relying on that rushing total uh, did have him projected for 250 pass yards roughly per game. I would say that this matchup is is probably a little on the lower end, certainly one of the more talented uh, defenses that he is going to play in a unit that's playing you know, pretty well, uh, but also, you know, they've got Keaton Mitchell and, and uh, hated to see the, the season-ending injury to Raja Harris and, and certainly, you know, depth at, at running back might uh, kind of limit ECU's uh, play calling, you know, might not lean on the rushing game quite as much, or if they do, might actually ask Ehlers to do, is it Ehlers or Allers? Uh, anyway. Uh depends on where <laughs> i've heard both but we call them uh, up north right. call them it just depends man yeah uh but i mean yeah you know good right uh, receiver core to work with winstead's off to a, a great start this year cj johnson's looked a little bit you know at times kind of like he did as a freshman uh but i wonder you know is this the type of game where east carolina's at a talent disadvantage playing a team that operates in a really fast pace are they going to try to slow it down a little bit keep the game close get into the fourth quarter with maybe a one score game have an opportunity to win it late you know my my sort of gut tells me a little bit that maybe they are going to uh lean on mitchell maybe they're going to lean on Ehlers uh a little bit more in the run game which you know certainly could help the the fantasy points output if he's able to, to punch it in a time or two on the ground uh but also opens it up to to maybe get 
you know, knocked out or, or, or something like that. So um, I don't necessarily have a, a huge read one way or the other. Like I said, those full season projections would be under the 275. Um, and I kind of foresee a little bit of, of more of a, a ground-based game. Uh, but Chris, you mentioned, I mean, these, he has been slinging it lately. So uh, it's been working you know, pretty well. East Carolina has been, been a, a, an improved team in a lot of ways. Uh, and offense is a big part of that. Um, and they might need his arm you know, to win. So I uh, don't have a, a great read. I'm sure that maybe. I think he's, Brandon, I think he's saying that we're both wrong here, by the way. I guess I'm, 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 I'm picks. <laughs> I, I can do this. I can talk myself in and out of anything. No, you're good. Uh, but it'll, yeah, I, think I, I guess it, just sort of, I could see, I don't know. This, I guess this wouldn't be one good. that I would. I would try to find. You don't have a strong feel. You don't. Sense. You don't have a, a, a. Yeah, I think we've talked about this in the past. Like a lot of these prize picks are like uh, you have to kind of have a strong feel. You have to catch it early, and if you like it, you you hit it right. Um, I was thinking about the, this this morning. It felt like everything last week was just over, or yeah. more. Right, like everybody <laughs> had this phenomenal, amazing day. So part of me is like. Do we just keep riding it and just whenever you like something, yeah, you just go more on? You know, like it just feels interesting because there were just so many points, so many incredible performances this past weekend that like it almost feels like. Do we think that the more keeps stays hot? You know, the the over stays right. hot, so it'll be interesting. That's a good segue because the reason why I'm taking the next guy, which is Death Taxes and Mo Ibrahim getting a touchdown, regardless of defense, like Illinois' number one rushing defense, it did not matter. He still went for 19.5 fantasy points. Now he's going up against Penn State. And uh, Chris, you got to see the Michigan Penn State game. Uh, apologies to our friend Ethan, who's not there to defend his Nittany Lions. I think that's but, the reason why he's not here, to be honest. But that's I just mean, me. I would be mourning too. That was that was that was rough to see. But heck, man, Blake Corm. Donovan Ever just running all over the place. And I don't think Penn State's going to stop that when you have one of the best guys here in the entire conference coming in. And with Achilles that's made of possibly gold now, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, it's looking really, really good. I don't see any flaws other than he was just a little bit dang, you know, banged up the week before there. But I'm going to go more. I think 20.5 is, is an easy one for him, especially what we saw out of Corm and Edwards. Um, uh, I'm thinking this one would probably be more of an easier smash than, say, Ehlers, which is more like a we, what we call the great value Walmart, where it's like it's just priced too too right. Like, you you know, you might not want to play with it. But uh, I, I like that. And then, Chris, you went over here with Quentin Johnson, but you left me in the dark I, here. You left me I, I have it in my head. I wanted, I wanted to see what you thought I would take. What are you thinking I'm taking here? What are you I'm, guys both thinking I'm taking here? With I'm the, thinking, it's five and a half receptions, and I did right. not select it. And it's Kansas State. So uh, you just said that you're riding overs. And I know Quint Johnson has finally showed up after six weeks, finally, right? So past seven and now eight. From what I'm seeing, Kansas State's a little rougher. I'm thinking you might take the the less. Mm. You might surprise me. Or are you taking more and just riding the hot fire, Quint Johnson? I'm taking more. I mean, I'm taking more. I am a firm believer that Nate is really smart. So I'm going to keep riding it. I'm going to yeah. just keep riding it here. Nate Marquise bro, you know, said, Hey, it's time. Yeah. He's going to, pop. Shares. <laughs> and, he, and he has, and I, I got to give him mad props for that. So I'm riding it. I think five and a half is way too low. You know, T- TCU, mm-hmm. I just was looking at, it's incredible. All they've done is score 38 plus points, right? Like, and they throw it 35 times a game. 
there's no reason for him not to uh, hit that number unless Max Duggan is just absolute worst, right? Like if he goes right. 15 for 35, then we're in trouble, right? But like he hasn't come anywhere near that. So I really like this one. Um, you know, he's had eight and 14 catches for 180 and 206 yards and touchdown. I mean, it's just incredible how good he's been. No reason to think that Kansas State's going to slow him down enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I shoot, man. I was literally like a week away from in redraft dropping Quentin Johnson. That's how bad I was like really struggle busting. Like he was on the bench and then we had like, you know, it was one just come to Jesus meeting. And then finally Nate was, I don't know, maybe he maybe messaged Quentin. He's like, Hey, you're going to play football this season. And he finally just showed up. I'm not sure what he did, but he just called a shot. And now he's been doing really good as well. Nick, I'm interested to see in the matchup because I know Kansas State can cause some problems to some offenses as well. But what do you think about this matchup against a Sonny Dyke system versus uh, Kansas State this year? Well, so Quentin Johnson is one of my very favorites. I mean, he is is uh, just so fun to watch. Uh, matchup nightmare. Um, incredibly athletic for his size. I mean, he's well, you know, a little lanky, I guess, at, at times. But uh, but he. I don't know. He, he is, he's just one of my very favorite wide receivers. So I was incredibly excited to see him break out over the last couple of weeks. That TCU offense was really doing you know, well, even when he wasn't uh, heavily involved, but um, they are basically, you know, one of the best in the country now that, that he's uh, back up to, to full strength, full speed, what have you. Um, TCU ranks sixth in offensive team performance, eighth passing. And actually, oddly enough, this kind of surprised me. They're number one in rushing offensive team performance. And so, you know, they're, they're just a very efficient, uh, run game, really just a, a very efficient offense as a whole that said, and this kind of uh, applies to the Ibrahim pick as well. One, I tend to lean under, I, whether it's a, uh, you know, total on a game or, or, uh, a full season, you know, yardage, or, or I guess even uh, these these uh, picks. I think I'd rather be on a uh, an under or a less rather than a more. You know, all things equal, I'd, I'd probably rather be on the the under. My case for Johnston: one, he has been you know great the last two weeks, but been a little inconsistent this year. Also, Kansas State plays you know pretty good defense. They're twentieth in defensive. Uh, team performance against the pass. They're 18th in overall uh, defensive team performance. But one thing that I look to also, you know, mentioned it a little uh, on the last one as well. I look at the opponent's offensive pace and Kansas State, similar to, um, you know, what I kind of see ECU maybe doing. They, they might be playing keep away offensively. They operate at the 98th uh, quickest pace in college football. They're about 28 seconds between offensive plays. Uh, they have a history of, you know, just sort of melting the clock, trying to limit possessions, uh, try to ugly up games a little bit. So that, that worries me a little bit. Not only have they been playing like a top 20 defense, not only are they a top 20 defense against the pass, at least the way I, I grade it. Um, they, you know, can do some things offensively to frustrate, you know, the opponent's uh, opportunities and, and uh, you know, things of that nature. Play, keep away, make things a little ugly. 
I know Deuce, Deuce Vaughn was a little bit banged up. You know, is that going to change how uh, explosive they're going to be able to be offensively? You know, limit their own quick possessions if they, you know, if he's not able to to break off seventy five yard runs or you know sixty yard catching runs, things like that. So I I think I would lean under uh, in part because I just kind of you know don't really like K State as a matchup in in the way that they can uh, manipulate the game uh, and the you know possessions and, and things like that that, that TCU is going to be able. Uh, or excuse me, that, that they're going to have. So, uh, Chris, I think you should go less now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm standing strong on my quit. Uh, no, I, okay. I think a lot I'm of it makes sense. More too, so yeah, I feel it's you. hard <laughs> because this is what makes college fantasy football so hard, is that like Kansas State is going to want to slow it down, I think, without a doubt. ECU probably will. I don't, I don't it's a little bit different. And, you know, with you have Adrian Martinez, you can't really throw it all that well compared to Ehlers, right? Like, there's a difference, right? So Kansas State definitely wants to slow it down. And, but the problem is, is one of two things is going to happen. They're going to slow it down. Then we're in trouble, Quentin Johnston fans, right? But if they don't do it well, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be real quick offensively in terms of, of uh, those drives. And then TCU is going to feast. So there, there's this huge... Like, uh, it's tough, right? Like, it's one or the other is going to happen. I think Kansas State's definitely going to try to slow it down. It's more a matter of, like, how effective it is. Do they, you know, we've seen guys get 40, 50% of targets. And I think Quentin's that type of guy. So, I think we have an out, in a sense, there. Um, So, we'll see. It's the Big 12. I mean, crazy shit happens in the Big 12. (laughs) Right? It's awesome. But crazy shit happens in the Big 12 as well as the AAC as well. So you can expect pendulum and mayhem as it goes. But let's move on. We're going to do bank on, of course, that is our DFS picks it's presented by DraftKings. And we got another, some really good matchups. And I wanted to uh, kind of point out and just tell, you know, just to give Nick thing, pretty much the price point is basically what you're looking for is the production of fantasy points you wanted to try to hit at least. We wanted to hit, you know, three, four times full, but you at least want to double it. Kind of do is I don't have Ethan on to give you the proper like percentage number or how he does his math there, but the goal is to try to find it for the value that you have. And sometimes you'll play up on a player or the price will be higher, but it's worth it because they match that price type situation, if that makes sense. So, uh, what we're looking at mainly is the same thing that you do on your sheets you're looking for mismatches, you're just looking for a cheaper play, but a better situation, or they're just on a hot streak. So, looks like Quinn Ears, the King Quinn, there is uh, Mr. Matt Bruning as he's listening you know, tomorrow he'll hear. Uh, but uh, Quinn is really good price point, 6,400. Go to OK State. We just saw what happened with OK State and uh, our friends there at TCU and another Quentin Johnson game. So, uh, of course, I'm looking at the stack. Xavier Worthy, and I think, Chris, you're on that as well. Um, I almost looked at Whittington, too. I almost thought about a game stack, but I decided to go against it a little bit. So same process with you, man. Just a uh, great matchup. OK State, not uh, not blocking anything. And you're just ready to rock and roll with Texas this week. Yeah, I think this is – I think Oklahoma's Big 12, right? We just said yep. it. Crazy stuff happens. Crazy. I think – I said it last week in my article. TC Oklahoma State didn't have, like, the big total that I think people were looking at, looking for. And I said – this is going to be a fun game. Like this is going to be high scoring. It wasn't as high scoring as the other ones come to find out even at like what 43, 40. Right. But I think this one has the potential 
Um, and I don't know if Oklahoma State has like the the best run back of uh, you know options to go against that Texas offense. I think on Texas, you can say Ewers, Worthy, Sanders, uh, even Whittington, but obviously Bijan, all great options in some way or form or fashion. Oklahoma State's got Sanders, but he, I, I'm telling you, I think one of these next two weeks he's going to be out. You know, I, it just, you right. hear these dinged up, banged up type situations. Yeah. He's super physical. So I don't know how much I want to bank. <laughs> go figure bank on him and on him? uh you know have him in a ton of my lineups but yeah that, that was my thought was yours and worthy clearly have a connection they've been awesome together they showed it last week they had it against bama they had like uh, I, I just this rainbow moonshot pass i just remember a 50 yard pass that he caught that uh, worthy caught i can't forget and i you know talent it's just so much and so there. And I think in a matchup that could go super high scoring, I, I really like that for sure. Yep. So Nick, uh, you're probably checking a look at this as well. What's the, what's the, I, I would put it this way. Is this the biggest difference between an offense versus a defense as far as, uh, you know, one side being lopsided versus the other? Do you think this is probably the ideal matchup between the two? Or do you, you know, have you seen others as you're looking this week that might be even a better matchup versus other than just Texas and OK State? Uh, well, so I, I do, I do like the matchup for Texas versus Oklahoma state. Um, the fact that, you know, Quinn Ewers is playing incredibly well right now. Uh, you know, worthy was, uh, you know, has, has obviously been so good as his entire career, but, um, really seems to be, uh, kind of blossoming right now. Uh, Texas is, is, uh, a top 10 team, top five in a lot of, you know, the numbers that I pay a lot of attention to. Uh, they're just, you know, analytically a, a really, really good team right now. And, and a lot of that is on offense. And, you know, especially with the healthy Ewers, uh, that pass game is is going to be in, you know, <laughs> it's definitely going to have an opportunity to shine against an Oklahoma State defense that ranks 91st in uh, defensive team performance against the pass, 55th uh, defensively overall. Yeah, I, I think that's a good matchup. Another one that I see here that maybe intrigues me just a touch more um, is UCLA and Oregon. I mean, the, the totals, what, 70 and a half. Um, and both of those offenses grade incredibly, incredibly well uh, in my numbers. I mean, both are top five, um, which is, you know, <laughs> obviously pretty rare for, for a single game uh, matchup, but even factoring in, Oregon's just horrible start to the season uh, against Georgia. You know, they, they grade really, really well offensively second in, in offensive team performance overall, number three rushing, which is a surprise given, you know, the, the running back pecking order hasn't quite worked out the way a lot of us thought it would uh, preseason UCLA, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson is playing like a fifth year starter at quarterback. And, and I think finally blossoming, uh, finally becoming that player that, that a lot of folks thought he could be as you know such a highly rated recruit. But both of these defenses are you know far from dominant. Uh, UCLA is uh, mediocre, top sixty in, in defensive team performance overall. They're right around you know forty against both the pass and the run. Um, but Oregon and some of this is is you know certainly takes into account that Georgia game. 
Uh, but uh, they rank 81st in defensive team performance overall, 93rd against the pass. So uh, this does seem like a back and forth, high scoring, you know, certainly one of the highest totals on the board. Um, so I, I, I would certainly, you know, in addition to the, the Texas and Oklahoma State, but maybe even more so, you know, that, that matchup, uh, I think intrigues me the most. Yeah, I think that's why we see uh, Bo Nix probably at the highest uh, rate at 9,800. That was a lot. We were trying to get what we call Nick and Bo, where we just play Bo Nix. We don't play any of his receivers, and he just lets it roll, right? But 9,800 is pretty steep. But from what Nick's saying, it sounded like, you know, if you if you could squeeze some other st- options in there that on cheap options, then Bo might be a good, decent play as well. But I do love some DTR this week against Oregon. I got some Jake Bobo, Chris. You're the Jake Bobo guy. I don't. I love you, Jake Bobo. Yeah. Is it too expensive for you this week, or you just you just saw it's Zay just, Flowers over there, 5900. You're like, I gotta have some Zay. He's a lot of our projections rely on volume, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like that's just a clear, obvious thing, right? And Bobo just doesn't get the huge target numbers that you want, and he's a he's priced pretty aggressively for his his volume, so. I love Bobo. It's just super hard, right? Like the what becomes very difficult. And the perfect example of this is Javante Williams and uh, was it Michael Carter from yep. three years Same. ago or whatever, right? Like their touchdown rates were so ridiculous. I can't, I can't justify a twenty percent TD rate as a running back, right? But like that's what Javante Williams was doing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what becomes very difficult. And you know, Bobo, I think he's got five catches or five touchdowns on like 38 targets, which I can't put him at 14%. Like, I just don't see that happening over a full season. So I can't project that this week. Um, that happens with a lot of guys, and he's just he projects it to I think like 16 points for me, which is like really pretty decent. I I, I see myself getting I, I do a bunch of like 150 lineup stuff and I see myself right. around like eight to 10%. Um, but that's about as much as I'm going to get just because of the volume. Um, I like him a lot. I think like Nick said, the matchup's great. The total is great. Uh, this has, you know, the full very likelihood of a 45, 42 type game. Like the total suggests, uh, but you know, I projections tend to play to the median. So um, it's a little bit hard to play Bobo at that price. Yeah. Well, one thing that, and, and I should have said this much earlier, <laughs> DFS is certainly not my strong okay. suit. So I, I very, I, I could be uh, an idiot for whatever I'm going to say here. My apologies, but uh, I'm, I'm looking through, you know, potential options, and, and I'm intrigued a little by, you know, are there some cheaper guys? that might be able to supplement, you know, if, if we're going to go for Knicks, uh, who might we be able to, to kind of match him up with, with a little bit? Yeah. Uh, Troy Franklin's, you know, probably too expensive, but maybe Chase Coda has had, you know, some some moments here, there. He's at 48 uh, on on DraftKings that, you know, might might provide a little bit of value there. I mentioned that the, the running back uh, pecking order didn't quite, you know, we're pan out quite how a lot of us expected, but right. it seems to me that it is starting to, uh, you know, Take the picture is starting to, to 
clear up a little bit. And Bucky Irving seems to be that, you know, number one guy. He's not going to get a huge uh, work uh, load, but at, you know, what, what is he listed here at, at 55, uh, a little bit below uh, Maccabee, uh, who you, you have here, Purdue against a traditionally, you know, pretty strong. I know they're struggling this year, but Wisconsin uh, defense, that, might intrigue me as a potential option there, uh, especially since it seems based on, you know, the last game or two, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe pricing hasn't quite caught up to the fact that, that he seems to be emerging as a little bit more of that every down or, or at least uh, early down type uh, running back there for, for Oregon. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you're definitely catching on to something because a lot of times DraftKings, they're a little bit lazier with their – or they just don't catch up as fast. So the goal is to find, you know, that that guy that's completely underpriced that needs to be way higher. He just has, one, a great matchup, two, he's just producing. DraftKings really hasn't caught on that he's like the wide receiver two or the wide receiver one or the running back one and stuff like that. So you're definitely on to that as well. Um, that also brings me to uh, – you know, you know, matchup is everything, and that's what we're talking about. And just like you talk about Maccabee out of Purdue, out of all people, Chris, did you expect Maccabee to be the starting, you know, the, the guy that stands out at Purdue when you have Kobe Lewis and you have uh, Doru that's been there for a while? Man, this was pretty interesting. I actually, funny enough, I drafted Kobe Lewis in some I, – I don't remember what league it was, a best ball in the offseason – and I used Maccabee thinking I was clever because like Kobe right. Lewis, Maccabee, like it kind of like went together. But hey, volume matters. The guy is really good in, in a pass game. Um, he's taking advantage of it. I, I really liked him last week. He paid off. He, I think he was like Big Ten freshman of the week or something or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so he's taking advantage of it, you know. Wisconsin matchup is not as intimidating as it used to be. Not at all. Purdue offense moves it pretty well. So I like him. Um, I I think my projections have a hard time because there's they underpriced a bunch of really good running backs, as they like you probably way. see in my lineup. Yep. Um, but I could have seen in an alternative world where pricing is a little bit more like it feels like Mockaby's price is perfect. Like yeah, that's exactly the right price. But like you look at Braylon Allen and Valade and Charbonnet and even Philkins and McClellan, Tajay Spears, Josh Will. Like there's literally everybody feels on their price besides him, which, you know, maybe they have a vendetta against the Mockaby family. I haven't looked maybe. too deep into the draft. Oh, wow. <laughs> hierarchy, one but one thing, and, and this is sort of my wheelhouse a little bit more sure. personnel wise, Darrow's been out for most of the year, right? Right. Uh, he was suited up last week, was told he'd only play in an emergency situation, ended up playing a handful of snaps. I'm not saying that he's, you know, back and fully healthy and, and going to be the top guy on the depth chart this year or this week. But it seems like, you know, he actually got on the field last week. Might he eat into Maccabee's uh, touches and, and snaps a little bit? I think he works himself back into the you know playing shape. I don't. I didn't watch the game for obvious reasons. There was like a million good games. I wasn't going to stick on Purdue, but I think Maccabee got banged up at a certain point, and maybe I wonder if that's when we maybe saw Doru. And but I think you're right, right? Like maybe we see him eat into that a little bit, right? Like I don't want if Doru's back, I don't want Maccabee, right? Right. But like at this early in the week, we're kind of playing with. 
a tough draw here because we don't there's some injuries there's a bunch of really relevant injury situations texas tech passing game specifically is one that comes yeah. to mind um so but yeah i think that's a good point i also want to point out you our friend chuck sizzle of course you know charlie jones for those that are, don't like the, the nickname of chuck sizzle he is uh banged up so i don't know it's a game time decision is what they're calling for plus a o'connell and wisconsin at least has a little bit of a tougher passing defense so i think they kind of go with the run so even if it is a full-on ensemble doru and makabe that's the kind of thinking that i had is like hey if if Chuck Sizz is out, you know, maybe Mockaby kind of takes up the slack on the run. They have that uh, that mismatch that they can kind of, you know, expose and kind of do that as well. But that was the part. But uh, Chris, you also got, you know, our boy Braylon Allen. Of course, you got the opposite side. Same thing, Purdue's not really blocking much when it comes to the run game. Braylon Allen, when he has uh, softer opponents, he just runs through them. Uh, 7,400 is probably the best I've seen him priced in a while. Makes no sense. Just because uh, that one, well, the one or two games that he struggled, now is it, right? Yeah, it makes no sense personally. Like he, he struggled against Illinois. They fired the coach. He's been awesome since, and he's was awesome in all of 2021 and before, right? Like, so I really like this play. You should use him in all formats. There's absolutely no reason, right? Like, I think Wisconsin's the favorite by four points, maybe. Like, I don't. I this one feels like a no brainer. Almost feels like too easy. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's like a, almost like a free square where you just kind of want to throw them in there as well. I do have a surprise uh, Wisconsin wide receiver. I know that as where, but uh, mm. Dyke did one guy, uh, 147 Purdue ain't stopping the wide receiver. We're seeing Mertz out of nowhere starting to pass the ball a bit more. Do you think Graham Mertz is back to that five-star, or did he lose him? He's still at a three-star. What, what are you thinking with that? That's an interesting uh, – I'll ask Nick here after this, but I'm I'm interested in the new coaching style there. It seems like there's a little bit more of a boost in the offense in general. What do you think, Chris? I have nothing positive to say about. <laughs> Is it a rivalry weird. thing? I'd say DK. Just trying to make him spice him up a little bit. I have no yeah. idea if that's. I think correct. that's. I think DK is is correct. Yeah, but. I don't know. There's nothing positive I will say about him, especially at 6,000. But I mean, he had a literally had a game of 50 points two weeks ago. So like. Who's like to say that's week. not going to happen, right? Yeah. So I can't fully write him off. I just think it's a good one. I don't think he's going to be a fairly used. So it's, for me, it's a DK. You know, it's a DraftKings. It's a it's a usage and percentage play there for me as well. Another one I did is Holmes there from Baylor. Uh, he's kind of looking more. I don't think he's like a Thornton type where he's huge or anything like that. But he is being looked at a little bit more. So for me, I'm hoping that people. You know, CFF, I wouldn't say chase the points or anything like that. But in DFS, I think, you know, Holmes got some KU. We're playing Kansas, right? Kansas, you can throw on them. You can run them. You can do a lot of stuff. But Kansas will fight back. So um, I'm expecting a pretty good game between uh, Baylor and Kansas. So I'm hoping Holmes just gets in the mix and gets past what he was. Am I expecting another 200 yards? Probably not, no. But, uh, you know, I definitely think he'd go past his 14 fantasy points. I think, he, you know, he's got a capability of possibly doubling that. So for 4,900, that's a steal, you know? Uh, I mean, he looked amazing, right? Like it wasn't just like a good stat line. He looked very good in that game, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was, I I watched and I was like, oh my God, they like, there's zero stopping this man. And really a lot of Baylor's passing attack, right? Like shaping through for what, like 275 and he got hurt in like the third quarter. Um, But I don't know. It's always tough. Like, Am I reading too much into one game? Was it just a good matchup, a bad right. DB? So, Nick, do you have any? Game. He had another big game earlier in the year. He's been kind of boomer bust. 
so, you know, when it hits, obviously. Um, I am a little worried about shaping. Um, yeah. You know, Dave Aranda's a, a pretty straightforward kind of guy when he talks about injuries. And, and uh, based on my interpretation of what he said, it was kind of like, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see if he can play. Um, and that, to me, you know, reads, okay, maybe it's 50-50 that he actually plays or not. And then that 50% that he plays, you know, how close to 100% is he actually going to be if he's on the field? Uh, I really like drones long-term. I think he's a, a toolsy guy and, and uh, you know, made some throws that excite me. But obviously that horrible interception um, made some, you know, <laughs> decisions, maybe not uh, right, not right. not great. So I'm a little worried that Holmes – is kind of that guy who can blow up one week and kind of disappear the next, even though I do like the matchup, but I'm a little worried about the the quarterback situation um, with that one specifically. So I don't know. Apparently I'm just a, a huge pessimist. I'm, I'm like <laughs> saying why no, I don't like good. everything. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, while we were talking about, uh, we'll call him DK then, uh, what's your thoughts on Wisconsin recently? Uh, do you like the, uh, you know, the possible new coach that they're talking about, the assistant coach that's taken over? What do you, what do you like there? And do you think it fits with the uh, the pieces that they have, especially with finally they have Mertz, they might not have him very much longer, but, you know, they got some really good pieces, you know, especially with Braylon Allen here in the next, what, another year easily, possibly two years. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I absolutely love Braylon Allen. I mean, he's he's maybe my favorite running back to watch, uh, not named Deuce Vaughn or, or Jameer Gibbs, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, personally struggle a little bit to, to uh, rely on a Wisconsin receiver. Um, I don't, in, in my uh, individual player ratings, it's very, very rare that I actually downgrade a player's uh, rating. Uh, but I just had to do it with Graham Mertz. I mean, he's, he just has not lived up to um, that talent projection. I use 247 Sports kind of as the, the baseline. Um, and he was, yeah, fringe five-star, right? And, and uh, just has not has not played like that, even though he's a, a three-year-plus starter. Um, so I, I don't necessarily trust uh, DK. I mean, he had the, the huge, huge game. But one, it was against Northwestern, uh, which, you know, not not exactly, um, uh, you know, a, a matchup, uh, not, you know, this this week, Purdue, even though they're not necessarily an elite defense, uh, I would say certainly a, a tier above uh, Northwestern. And then other than that, there's not been very much. Certainly he's come on the last three weeks, uh, been more involved. That is certainly a good sign. But I personally yeah I, I i one am a little scared that so much of his uh production came in that one game but two that that you know just i'm not a, a big believer in uh wisconsin other than allen I, I don't necessarily trust that offense even though i will say you know when when a coach gets fired you do sometimes see and i think that northwestern game was was that next one right you kind of see that all right we're gonna we're going to change things up. We're going to do something different. Uh, and that doesn't always stick. Um, and so I worry about that a little bit as well, that they'll kind of fall back into more of a, uh, you know, the, the pattern, the, the uh, plan that they've had in the past and, and just kind of lean on 
Allen and, and, you know, I'd probably do that too. I mean, I think he's one of the best running backs in, in college football. So I'd probably look for a different option, but that, you know, 10 for 185 and three touchdowns is definitely, we know that that's possible with, with DK. So it, yep. it certainly is uh, intriguing, but I wonder that it might've been just sort of a, a one week wonder kind of thing. And, and he'll kind of fall into that, you know, one for nine, two for 35 that we saw in the first half of the year. Um, that that that's probably a, a little bit closer to, to what we're going to see week in and week out than than 10 for 185 and three again. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, talk about these running backs real quick. And I know, Chris, you kind of touched on it briefly. Uh, pricing just really good. Are you even thinking about maybe some lineups with the super flex being just running back or are you, you know, that confident mm. with the running backs or is it just just play all your studs that are, you know, all these lower prices all of a sudden? No, I'll be majority. Um, majority two quarterback for sure. I mean, always right. Like if you think about it, there's a hundred percent for quarterback and a hundred percent for super flex when you're building lineups. And I'm usually around 180 two quarterbacks. So definitely think I'll be staying there. I mean, there's just a, there are a lot of great options, right? But like, what does a running back have to do to get to like 40 points? It's kind of crazy. It but is. you look at a quarterback, it. it's not as hard to get there, right? Because they have the football in literally every play, right? So I love the the running backs. I think Valade is a high, high usage guy against Stanford. That makes a lot of sense. Charbonnet is about as good as it gets uh, from a running back perspective. You know, he's he's hit basically like 28 points plus in the last three games, and he's done it two different ways. Like he's yeah, done it with like covered. nine carries and he's done it with like 25 carries. So that's always nice to see. Um, Philkins, I, did I mention him earlier uh, from Stanford? He's like getting like 75% of carries, which at that wow. point, you tell me a guy's going to get 20 carries plus for 5,800. I have a hard time not using a lot of that. So there are a lot of great running backs. Um, I think some of it will depend on format. I think Philkins is not your tournament play. Whereas I think a guy like Allen and Charbonnet uh, in, in even Valade here are great in all formats. So I think it gets a little specific on what are you actually playing? Um, you know, cause like Josh Williams is an awesome three K option at running back. McClellan mm-hmm. is a great $6,100 option. But those are tournament plays. Like those are right. guys that have some risk to them, some sketchiness to them. Um, so you know, th- while these three are great in all tournament options, Philkins would be amazing cash game option. The, I think there's some differences there on on um, the format that really that really uh, play a part here. Yep, I do want to bring up McClellan. I do have him in the lineup, and then we'll move to our main event, which is. Uh... Jackson Dart and uh, LSU, and I'll have Nick kind of break down what he thinks of Ole Miss versus LSU there. But uh, I like McCullen. Well, first, Ben Bryan, I believe he's injured. He's not playing. So we're going to see Evan Prater uh, become the uh, quarterback there, which I think this is all that real. I th- is that, like, uh, so is he, that, had a, he had a he concussion. It's, it's, uh, it's questionable. I, okay. And it, it, yeah, I wouldn't say he's out, but it's it, it leans out. Wow. Yeah, for now it leans. So, all right. So they have Corey Kiner, which actually, you know, we're expecting him just to take over this backfield. He hasn't. So Montgomery uh, has been banked up, but then, you know, it comes to the line that hasn't been the producer that we thought. So out of nowhere, now the third string McClellan has come up and has produced the most, you know, going, you know, 
18.3 fantasy points per game and stuff like that. So that's my mindset is like if it is Evan Prater, he's going to need like a soft open to kind of get, you know, get it in there because he has we haven't seen him since the spring game, really. And that's about it. So I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of leaning on McClellan and the run game. I'm thinking you could probably play Kiner in some some lineups here and there, even though he's a little bit more expensive. Or no, he's only like what fifty nine hundred, fifty eight hundred, Chris. So he's like not too far under or something like that. So, um, needs to say, I think both are good options for doing it. I just see McClellan is getting a better fantasy points per game, so he might be worth the extra two hundred up to kind of spend along with there as well. So, um, let's move on. I want to talk about. So Chris has Jackson Dart in the lineup, and of course he went with Watkins of wide receiver and against going LSU. What is your thought process with Dart? I know he's, uh, you know, this GPP, so this tournament, so you want to, you know, take someone out of the ordinary. Uh, but do you think Dart's kind of uh, putting it together? Do you see some progress there? You just like the matchup with LSU. What's your thoughts? I think that could be a fun game. You know, it, yeah. hey, anybody that makes Anthony Richardson look good, um, <laughs> you know, you, you want to consider that quarterback, right? Right. Uh, Dart showed, obviously, legs last week. And also, he also threw 19 times. What was it? Three touchdown passes. Like, they're not throwing it 19 times again, right? Like, the likelihood of that actually happening again is very, very low. They killed Vanderbilt, and they threw more than they passed, right? So, uh, I think there's the shot that people see the game log and get really confused about what to do. So, I do like Dart. I'm confused a little bit on who I want to stack it with. I think you don't necessarily have to stack it because I don't think he has like a commanding receiver one. You know, Mingo, we thought was maybe the guy, and then he did nothing last week. Trigg, we talked about him for a while, then he got hurt for the season. Watkins, I think, is, is trending towards that really decent to good option. And at 4K, that's good enough for me. So, that's why I went Watkins here. Um, this will be a low on play though. You know, this will be, uh, this won't be a big, yeah, low ownership. There won't be a ton of people stacking this from an Ole Miss perspective right now. If you guys were to say your favorite or most thought of Ole Miss player, who would it be? Uh, uh, it'd be Juckins. It'd be Juckins. Right. For sure. Yeah. His price is not super aggressive. I like this as a kind of a pivot for sure. And I think Jane Daniels is an awesome person to run back to, to play in that same lineup. And you see a, a random out of nowhere, 42 39 type game. So Nick, no one, you know, seeing Mississippi versus LSU. And of course you have, you know, the projections of how the game will flow. How do you see this kind of panning out? Do you think Dart gets this done with his arm or is he more with his feet? What What's your thoughts here this week against LSU? Uh, well, so I, I've been a little too high on LSU. My, my uh, projections have been really high on LSU a lot of the year. Um, and that, you know, that started to even out a little bit, uh, but my numbers absolutely love Ole Miss. Uh, offensively, I mean, they're top five in offensive team performance. I like Dart. Um, I think, you know, as good as they've been running the football and with Judkins and with Evans, you know, Dart is not as likely certainly to, to punch it in, but um, has running ability. We've seen him break off long runs in the past, get in the end zone. You know, I, I think like Chris said, you, you look up and somewhat unexpectedly, maybe this is a, a high scoring 
game and maybe you know this is kind of the the game where dart gets a couple of lucky bounces with a uh QB sneak at the goal line, something like that, or, or breaks off a 50 yard run. And, and maybe we actually see that, that running ability and, and, you know, what he can do on the ground uh, kind of reach that full potential here. That's, you know, not necessarily something you can bank on, but um, if you're looking for that, that high ceiling, I certainly still believe that, that Jackson Dar's got that it's as um, you know, hasn't quite lived up to, to, a lot of folks' expectations uh, early in the, the preseason, but um, I think that ceiling is still there. So, so I definitely like it. Um, and similar, you know, you mentioned Daniels might might be a similar play, and I think that makes sense too because he certainly has that ability and uh, you know to break off a long run to score on the ground. In addition to you know, we finally saw Butte get in the the mix of things um, a little bit last week. Maybe the the passing game is going to come along a little bit um, maybe both of the offenses are starting to, to pick up steam and, and play a little bit more to their full potential. And, and hopefully that'll pay off, you know, with your case with, with dart, but both quarterbacks hopefully as well. Yep. So I want to bring up one more and we got Zay flowers. Uh, I know I brought him up briefly. So that's what Chris picked on there as well. I know Nick has been a fan of Zay Flowers. He likes the Boston College and Jerkovich and stuff like that as well. Do you think they can uh, go blow to blow with Wake Forest and their high octane offense, Chris? Do you think they or is just as Zay being Zay because he's the top dog and the top target, and that's why you're we're shooting for fifty nine hundred? Yeah, top target is really really nice. Uh, the total is not great. It's like twenty twenty and a half type situation. But when you're th- getting thrown the football thirty five percent of the time, like you know, you just you command so much volume that it, it makes too much sense. I would lean, this is one of those scenarios, I think I'd lean him a little bit more in cash games because I think his his floor is so high. Um, but he's just expensive enough where I don't know if I see 30 points out of him. You know, I don't, I don't know if I see 28 points out of him. Um, but I think there are some other options out there that could hit that pretty I won't say easily, but like have a higher likelihood. And I might lean that in tournaments, right? But they come with way more risk. You look at a Zay Flowers, I mean, that 20 points feels like a lock, right? <laughs> it's like Bijan, you know, you, do I want to pay 9,400 or whatever it is for Bijan? Yes. Not really, but, but when you're pretty it. much guaranteed to get 25 fantasy points, it's kind of hard to say no. Um, and he's kind of like that equivalent at a, like a mid tier price and obviously a little bit lower on the projection level or side of things. Yes. I think it's a good play. Uh, Nick, did you have any, uh, any thoughts on Zay versus wake? And do you think that game script, you know, they're going to have to probably pass from behind. So do you think he just gets peppered with 35% or more? I think there's a couple games I saw where he was getting like a 50% target share, which is ridiculous. So what's your thoughts on this game going, uh, coming up? Yeah. I mean, Boston college as a whole, just, bad offensively i mean they're 122nd in, in offensive team performance uh they the running game is basically non-existent so it's it's zay flowers and that's it um so i i definitely think that that the you know target shares is going to be there wake forest is maybe not quite as good of a matchup as it was last year the defense has improved a little bit but um their weakest area is defending the pass they're 84th in uh, defensive passing team performance. Um, so I, I do like the matchup, you know, my limited uh, 
uh, knowledge base uh, seems like a, a decent value. I like Flowers certainly, you know, as a player, talented player, uh, explosive. So I think he's uh, even if as he should be the the focus of the Wake Forest defense um, has the ability to to break a tackle and you know do a, a short catch and a long run type scenario and, and put up some good numbers even you know if that offense as a whole uh, struggles. Brandon, permission to throw this completely off the train tracks. Do it. Just cool. make it BTR and go for it. <laughs> my blood. Yes, uh, just in one of my dynasty leagues, Zay Flowers was just traded. So I want to hear Nick's thoughts and yeah. yours as well, Brandon. Sure. This is a the trade day uh, deadlines on Saturday, so things are getting a little weird. We have Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston, hence why I have to bring it up, both guys we just talked about today. For Robbie Ashford and Kobe Prentice, what are we what are we thinking on that one? Because I have very strong feelings in my head. So they're really banking on more probably the Kobe Prentice. I'm assuming they're really they got to be pretty high on him as the future wide receiver one. That's interesting because I'm a I lean Isaiah Bond and I think maybe I'll let Nick you know kind of do his thing and kind of give you the the VGRs and stuff. But <laughs> I don't know. I just think Bond is the more explosive one. So like Prentice is like he's there now, but there's uh there's plenty to go around and bonds that the explosive type where I just he reminds me of uh you know of uh Smith, you know, the the Heisman guy that, you know, when given the opportunity with a full workload, it's interesting to me. Uh I, I don't know how I feel about Ashford. It is uh that's interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, what do you think, Nick? I I wouldn't be able to tell you if anybody in any of the leagues I'm in owns Robbie Ashford. So I don't, I mean, yeah, be, uh, uh, that, that was a bit of a surprise. I, I, is this the uh, 50 teamer, Chris? No, this is like a, this is one of the original dynasty leagues. I'm okay, in with Zach and Andrew. Okay. And I, I have Robbie Ashford in the league, but should, okay. you, should, you shouldn't <laughs> be surprised I mean, he, by that. I mean, you know, running, running, uh, deep, uh, deep rosters then, huh? Running potential, I think is, is there, but Ashford as a whole, I'm, I'm not super uh, Agreed. Excited. There's a lot of risk in him too. I think. Like, is he yeah. even going to be the guy next year? We don't really know at all. Right. Yeah. That so that seems there. like new coaching staff transfers coming in, that sort of thing. Um, I admittedly am not a uh, recruiting guy, so I, I'm not. You know, don't have a great read yet on uh, sort of the the up and coming Alabama. Uh, pecking order. I do know that Prentice, you mentioned, is, is kind of been the guy now, and and you know at least has has played a lot, has has gotten into the starting uh, rotation, has gotten into you know the the regular rotation. Um, so I, you know, me personally, uh, that usually is is a sign to me, just because I don't pay a ton of attention to recruiting. I don't necessarily have a. a a great grasp on long-term upside. Um, but this sounds like a trade I would make on the other side. It's like, Oh, if I've got a shot to make the playoffs, yes. Give me Johnston, give me uh, flowers. And yeah, you want to ask for great. And sure. This freshman that I drafted and don't really know very much about, you can have him too. So the, I, it, this definitely sounds like something I would uh, something I would do and, and would, would, be you know happy with uh trying to make a run with with two uh one i think johnson still has elite ability got off to a slow start but we've seen what he can do the last couple of weeks flowers i think is very limited by boston college as a whole 
uh, but is going to be, you know, consistent and, and pretty high floor. Uh, so somebody that that I think would give me some depth and and be comfortable with that return, me personally. Yeah, and playing in a league with with Nick in the same league and dynasty, he's definitely a, a win now type of guy. He's he's done it in multiple trades and oh, yeah, uh, I got a shot. Yeah, you Sell do, it. man. You, do. you smashed me good. Take all points picks. Other weeks, you can take them. <laughs> Freshman, take them. Yep. I don't care. I might give away my Le'Veon Moss shares and all kinds of good stuff there. The freshmen just to do it because I'm like middle of the pack. So I'm just like, I got to make some moves here pretty soon. So, uh, but, so Chris, is that a, are you the one that's receiving Johnston? No, I just, it came through away? the inbox. It came through the inbox. Okay. So what's okay. interesting to me, and I don't want to completely derail because I have a bedtime is, yeah, you're good. do we see Bama receivers lose value next year? Because we saw Jalen Milrow. And it kind of leans. It kind of feels like he's going to be the guy next year, presumably. If I like if Tyson and when somewhere, young, I'll be honest with you, right? But like, he's got the inside track though. He does inside yeah. track, right? So like, we would all agree that Milrow hurts the value receivers, whereas do we think Simpson helps? Like, compare you know, comparing the two, we if you have a Bama receiver, you want Simpson to be the quarterback, right? Correct. Yeah, I do. Personally, I just think he fits that system. I, I get it. Like uh, Bryce Young was hurt. So a lot of people like Milrow wasn't game plan. Like Saban didn't build it around Milrow's, you know, talents and capabilities. But Milrow's a stud. But I see Milrow being better at a place like Florida, you know, being like a, you know, an a, you know, AR type guy, like a Richardson type guy in that type of scheme versus a Simpson who's a pocket guy. Reminds you of like a Mac Jones and those guys that, you know, were just gun in it you know stuff like that so guys like isaiah bond that can get out and catch it out of the flat real fast or guys like kobe prentice that just towers over people those are the kind of uh you know the ones that you would look at especially if simpson takes over but i it's it, i don't know you know the thing is with, with saban having a full off season like he literally could change the offense the way to fit milrow and his capabilities but then you want to look at probably the run game probably is like the you know the shining star there next year but we have the transfer portal too. So who's to say like a guy like Luther Burden who, you know, is getting banged up in Missouri and they don't know what they're doing with him. Doesn't, you know, say, I'm, Hey, I'm just going to play at Bama. So yeah, that's already a given, you know, right. you've already, my value on, on Burden is strictly with him at Bama. So we already know that's right. happening. I hope so for my, for my first round pick there in the dynasty league that me and Nick are in. So we'll see what happens. Cause I gave away a third to get him, uh, get him a little bit faster. So we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, but thank you for the dynasty talk as well. You know, we're sprinkling all kinds of good stuff, CFF, some CFB, some DFS. We're doing it all tonight. And it's great, but we do want to thank Nick for coming on, man. Uh, Nick, if you can do one more time, just plug the, the Patreon and then, uh, you know, where they can find you if they have any questions. Yeah. Thanks again for you guys having me and, and I'm not always great at explaining everything that we have to offer, but, but pretty easy to, to get in touch with if anybody has any questions. Uh, but patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. Uh, we've got two tiers. The first one is, is, you know, help us, uh, one, you know, we have a podcast and, and, uh, you know, help us support that as well, but also help us to, to fund a lot of the off season work that we do projects, uh, that we're working on. Got a lot of fun things that, that I'm hoping to do uh, this offseason. Uh, and then tier two, if you're interested in all those spreadsheets. So uh, depth charts, injury reports, projected point spreads, totals for every game. Um, try to keep up on those sort of things as best as, as you know possibly can. Keep track of all sorts of you know talent metrics and, and stats, all kinds of great stuff. Um, coaching stuff, you know, team performance, as I mentioned, matchup data. 
uh, a wide range, lots and, and, and lots of stuff. So uh, if anybody's interested in signing up, we'd, we'd certainly love the support. Uh, Patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. You can find me on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Listen to our podcast, CFB Winning Edge uh, podcast. Um, or just reach out if you have any questions. Yes, please go support them. It's worth it's like a cup of coffee just to get started there. Definitely worth its weight in gold. Chris, you're going to be sidelined for a little bit trying to get the nose back in order. So are you going to be writing any sweet articles with some cool titles while you're recovering? Or is this completely off the grid for a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll see you brand new? Well, it's just the one week. Next week, I'll okay. be out. Uh, I can't foresee myself having the desire to write amidst <laughs> uh, congestion and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. But I feel you. Article this week, two articles this week. I'll, I'm going to uh, continue with the main slate article for DraftKings as well as like the core uh, core plays, tournament plays for the night slate on Saturday night on DraftKings. And then, yeah, I'll be out for the week. Ethan will probably pick up a little bit of my slack, so I'll have to Hit him maybe with the uh, some Venmo or something. I don't know. A little <laughs> hat tip right. over there, but we'll see. But yeah. yeah, so expect two articles this week for sure before I, I uh, head out for the uh, Michael Jackson nose job. Oh, man. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Of course, I'm Brandon Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. We got this uh, podcast going on a couple months. We'll see the return of the Future Freshman podcast. Of course, you see a lot more of Nick's work. I usually use a lot of his to kind of gauge the upcoming freshman versus the uh, veteran class and things like that and what you expect from a player that's coming into a right opportunity and a right system. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you next time. Peace.